Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show. With Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Hello and welcome along to Wise Men Say, the preview show on Sun FM. We're back. We're so optimistic for the new season. And then look about ten quarter past three last Saturday afternoon. We all weren't optimistic for the new season anymore. Because a terrible thing happened before our eyes. And that thing was Jason Steele. So Very specific to Jason yeah. Steele. Are we bombing him out now, are we? Oh, I didn't, on the radio. I didn't like him before. Well, you don't have to look at me, by the way, when you talk, talk on the microphone, Craig. Well, I'm Come talking on. to you, so it's like we're having a conversation. Well, don't talk to me. Just to stand up. No, just yeah, talking to the microphone. This is terrible radio for every everybody here. So, well, no one needs to hear about. You keep you keep doing it. All right, man. On the microphone, man. What's he doing? See, it's not wasn't like that when Proctor was here. Do you want to start again, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> I haven't got time for starting again. That's voice Craig Clark. If you're a regular Wise Men Say listener, he sort of. Dips in and out, depending. Like you're a probably, Savaloy dip. you probably hear him for two episodes and then you'll not hear him for another three months. Wait. So, savour him. Pack, packed it in this season. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> savour him. Keep looking at me again. You need to talk to the microphone. Uh, we've, okay. we've also got Phil Smith um, of the Sunderland Echo. Good evening, all. And that was a slightly less... Uh, Excitable introduction. Craig keeps looking around. We've got a monitor in the room. He keeps on looking around it. Just focus think... on the microphone. Imagine that I am the microphone. My face is the microphone, and you want to That's... sort of potentially sort of build up the kissing. Oh God! I'll over leave time. the room. Thanks. Yeah. So a slightly new format, as you can tell, because normally you'd be listening to the light on a Thursday. So I had to change. We've kind of absorbed into the light now. It's wise men say the preview show on Sun FM. Um, Stephen would normally be here. With me, but unfortunately, Stephen. Well, not unfortunately. <laughs> Stephen, sorry, Claire. Stephen got married, um, so congratulations <laughs> to Stephen and Claire, and they're still sort of off on the jolly. So they got a miss uh, the weekend. I bet you Claire was more devastated about missing the game than Stephen. Um, mm. But uh, we probably should talk about that, shouldn't we? I mean, that, that debacle. Shall we say it wasn't very good, and then draw a line under it? Or I mean, you could. I don't know, it's, it's, the, it's the closest yeah. thing you've got to. The game before, well, it is. It's the game before the start of the season, isn't it? And it, that would be, you would think, his first choice for for Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest concern for me is, you know, I think Simon Grayson, by his own admission, he's he's the defence man, isn't he? He comes in and he sorts your defence out, and he gets you organised and makes you out to beat. I've got no idea what his back four is going to be tomorrow, and whatever it's going to be, I don't think it's going to fill you with a great deal of confidence because <laughs> it just doesn't seem to be a great deal of. Communication, no. you know, players getting themselves not. Listen, you you can't do a great deal about Lamine Corner yeah. attempting a clearance and somehow managing to kick it backwards. Um, as you know, you watch that five or six times and you still think I'm not really sure how that's happened. But e- even aside from those individual errors, it doesn't look like a particularly great unit at the back there. I think that's the biggest concern because at times Celtic would just sort of pass them around them and you're just thinking, hmm, I'm I mean, not sure what- you know Celtic's kids should be. Making, you know, who was supposed to be a twenty million pound defender, you know, looks so poor. 
I mean, there was a there's a guess there's an argument to say you know they were further along in the preseason. They've played competitive games, and obviously their whole squad is going to be a bit further along. They they've played you know. competitive games. So I'm not sure that the children. Yeah, ours wasn't some a, of the some yeah. of the players on, weren't yeah. even on the back of our program. Yeah. they had because they obviously yeah. were very low down the pecking order pl- in terms of the squad. They've played competitive games, but Saturday wasn't one of them. All <laughs> oh, right, sorry, yeah. did I interrupt yeah. that bit no, of banter? No, it was quite a good, good I, I that, wasn't it? It yeah. was, it I was. mean, you could say, if you're looking for positives, like if Celtic yeah. hadn't scored five goals and we'd scored our penalty, then we would have won 1-0. I mean, that's one that, way to look I at forgot it. about that penalty miss. Yeah, it's easy or to save. Their, their goalkeeper was pretty good, wasn't he, De Vries? He was, yeah. I actually thought he was and good. I think, I, I think I have to be... I know it wasn't Celtic's strongest team, but I haven't covered the championship for a bit of last year I do think Celtic would do pretty well in that league and I, I think they'd think, win it like wouldn't they <laughs> I don't think Derby are going to be anywhere near the quality that Celtic had which maybe says more about the championship but it's a difficult one pre-season's been a bit of an odd one because there have been times when Sunderland have looked pretty good mostly when you've had Lenz and Casley on the pitch and then there's times where you've looked at it and you're thinking you know the alarm bells are still ringing I think for me there's still that capacity where they concede a goal and suddenly the roof just caves in and players just start doing things where you mm. just think, you know, what's what's the decision making process going on here? But that's happened. That's concerned. happened for manager. Managers have gone and we've done it. Players have gone and we've done it. It's it's a weird sort of. I mean, as Simon Grayson said himself, there, <laughs> he said anything that could go wrong did go wrong, and I mean, you just knew that. Vaughan was going to miss that penalty once him and Graben had that argument. I guess Graben was actually probably a bright spot from the, the game, thought he played quite well. He was alright, wasn't he? But, you know, obviously the the goalkeeping situation, a lot of people have been had strong opinions on, on Steele. And, well, you and, were one of them, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, like, but I'm just saying... You know, like, um, no, I'm, I'm having no, a go at you, yeah, I think yeah, you were yeah. right. I, well, I think... Uh, Look, you know, I'm sure if he's playing, people aren't going to get in his back and boo him and that, you know, the, the ground. And when he plays, the likelihood he's going to play on, on Friday. Um, I'm sure, like, people will be behind him. But when you see a performance like that, I mean, I think I, I don't, it's almost, there's a lot of hyper, hyperbole in football, isn't there? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. I was going to say I hyperbolic. I was going to say hyper- hyperbolic and then and stop. Trapped. So, anyway. If I was being hyperbolic, I'd say. That it was probably the worst goalkeeping performance I've seen from a goalkeeper at the Stadium of Light. No way was it worse than Kelvin against Do you not Portsmouth. Think? No, I mean I think Matt, <laughs> I think I think I think Matt Taylor going to kick the ball out of play because he had an injury and lobbing Kelvin Davis yeah. from the halfway line. I think that was it. But that, that you didn't. I don't, I don't remember any of the other goals really being Kelvin Davis's fault in that game. But but you know let's not anyway, talk about it. Wasn't it wasn't yeah. great? We, it wasn't. Yeah, let's say um, in the last ten years and there's a compromise, but it it wasn't great. I think. The thing that was a bit troubling about it was wasn't so much as you know goalkeepers make mistakes and you can kind of forgive that, but he looked technically deficient. Would you say where he was kind of doing strange things that you wouldn't normally see a goalkeeper at that level do? I mean, I think from from what I've seen in preseason, although Robin Wright has only played two games, if you were to say to me who's the better goalkeeper, I think there's absolutely no contest. I mean, I think. Robin Wright, actually, I don't know where they found him from, um, but he he looks to me to be a really good find. He's he's a tall lad. He's got gets really good distance on his kicking, commands his box really well. He looks to have decent reflexes. So, hope I'm I'm quietly confident that in a few weeks I don't think we'll be talking about the goalkeeping situation much because I I kind of expect from what I've seen, Wright to just get that place and just go about his business because he looks a a very reliable prospect. Um, still. You're right, it wasn't great. I mean, I, I don't think I would have fancied making my debut in front of that defence, to be fair. Um, and I think 
when we asked Simon Grayson about it, he was very much eager to point out all the defensive mistakes in the run up to the goals as well. So we'll see how it goes. It's good, isn't it? It's not just yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. one person that's bad. It's all of us who are collectively yeah. awful, and that's that's the. Uh, that's the positive message we want going into the game uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> but you know, to be fair, I think well, you could go through the whole team, couldn't you? And you can you can really pick out. I think I would say two players did anything of, of positive note, but probably in Dong, who also made some dreadful passes. But I think part of the issue for him was he'd maybe win the ball and look up, and there was no one to really play the ball to, and then grabbing. Although he was playing as a wide player and he didn't really offer much in the way of creativity or or anything of that nature, he certainly held the ball well and he and he battled and he was able to pass the ball five yards and find a teammate, which was encouraging compared to some of those around him. I thought. Other than that, you're really struggling to find many, if any, positives from the individuals, and it, I think it's hard to criticise them as a unit in the set in terms of criticising Grace and tactically or anything like that because there was so much wrong with every individual that I don't actually know what the, the tactics were really I think I think that was the point I was going to make it's difficult to criticise the tactics because the, the team were on such different wavelengths all over the pitch I don't think you could really even begin to try and come up with what it was that he was trying to do I think for me the big difference in the Celtic game from previous games where Sunderland had looked a little bit better was I think Grayson to me I don't think he's necessarily someone who I, th- I don't think he's afraid to play long balls but I don't think that's really how he likes to create a threat I think he's very much someone who likes to get the ball at the wingers mm. and it very much becomes down to them he's the person they want to take a player on put a cross in pick a pass I think that's where he sees his attacking threat coming from now when you've got Lenz and Kasri who are quite fit playing against Bradford that can be a pretty destructive tactic last weekend McGeady was I think no absolutely nowhere near the adequate levels of match fitness to create much of an impact and Graben was the same really I mean Graben was a bright spot but at the same time he wasn't at a level where he could make a consistent impact over 90 minutes, I think. And that's the big concern at the moment, that really you're thinking those two are going to have to fire if this is going to work, if he's going to play the way he wants to play. And it's a bit of an unknown at the moment. Well, before, before we get too deep into this, we're going to first we're going to swing over to Chris Parsons, who's a Derby County writer, podcaster, and we're going to speak to him. And then when we come back, we'll have a little chat about the players we've brought in, their impact at the weekend gone, and hopefully the impact they could have later in the season when they're a bit fitter and also maybe the kind of players that Simon Grayson might be looking to bring in um, as the rest of the window unfolds. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Okay, so we've got Chris Parsons from Steve Bloomer's Washing, a newly created Derby podcast, you understand. What's the history behind the name of that to a to a layman? Uh, well, it's all based on a on a... It's a terrible wordplay, to be honest. Um, Derby's all-time leading goal scorer is Steve Bloomer, and uh, there's an unofficial club anthem played in his honour before home games called Steve Bloomer's Watching. Uh, oh, okay. So it's basically just a, a slight association with that, really. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought it might have been pants space because you call Bloomer Washing, and then we could have done our. Is that the point? I, feel like, yeah, I, feel like I can see the connection there, but so it's the, not, oh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. I'm not, I'm so, not quite that clever because we've got oh. our, our own uh, pants-based uh, goal-scoring chant, obviously in Niall Quinn's disco oh, yeah, pants. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That, that might have been a connection. That could have been a synergy. Maybe we would have done <laughs> what we do in Norwich instead of having the the friendly cup. We could have had the the pants cup and played for that every season. Is that, that a real cup, good. really? The friendly well, the cup against Norwich, is real, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's a real thing. That we we still probably haven't That's won that. I think we did win it last, 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 last oh, well, time we played. Yeah, we'll be losing cup. it this season. Yeah. Though, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. 
So with the trophy in the shape of some some wife friends, I, I yeah, just, well, uh, or disco pants, depending on who wins it. Yeah. Everyone would have to have them. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll pitch it to the club. Um, well, anyway, trophy, the trophy is a trophy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you'd take it, wouldn't you? Yeah. But no. anyway, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've, we've wasted enough time talking about pants. Um, fr- Friday night, and now we're going to talk o- about some yeah, more. Yeah, the opening game of the uh, <laughs> the championship season. Um, they obviously picked their, their crack game in Sunderland against Derby County. Um, <clears> so, how hopeful are you that you might be able to actually do something, get the season off to a, a decent start? I know obviously you lost a few players, haven't you, over the over the summer? Some of your better players. Have you managed to replace them? Are you feeling confident ahead of the game? Um, well, in terms of Friday, I know we spoke on uh, on, on our podcast last week yeah. where we both predicted a score draw um, for for various reasons obviously you guys said that obviously Sunderland have, have got some goals in them but but you know are a bit leaky at the back whereas Derby sort of um, you know were pretty solid defensively last season but were very very short of goals um, they sort of scored they scored the fewest goals of any side in top half last season in the championship only, only 54 and um, Tom Ince got 14 of them so without him you know we, we are very short of Sort of attacking threat, but I think um, I know when we spoke. Obviously, that was before the uh, before what I assume you're calling uh, Gibson Gate. I guess. Yeah, we haven't talked um, about that actually. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Um, and I think I mean I guess it all depends on how your players react to that situation. Really, um, I mean from from Derby's point of view, a lot of our fans have said that you know it, it could be potentially a good time to play Sunderland. Um, I think if we if Derby can get an early goal, um, you know it could be. Uh, you know that, that they have got a very good opportunity to, to take something from the game. But um, there's the only nagging thought is that Derby conceded a lot of late goals last season um, to the point where I think I worked it out that if uh, if they hadn't conceded goals after 90 minutes plus, then they would have earned possibly 10 more points last season. So it was a bit of a problem. Um, but I think. In terms of a prediction, I'll probably stick with the score draw, um, just because you know both teams might take a while to sort of find their way into the game and to, into the season. I mean, as a seasoned watcher of Championship football now, because you've you've been in the Championship for is it about ten years? Is, was it? Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, cheers. So, no, <laughs> I just think you probably went down when we came up. I'm thinking probably. Um, I think we went. Well, we came down in 2002. No, um, it's a bit long. And obviously, we'll be, we had that. We had that one season up, which we try not to speak about. Oh, um, yeah. But <laughs> apart from that, it's been. Um, yeah, so it's been. I think it's our tenth or eleventh. It's a, it'll be eleventh actually, because I think. We're, yeah, I remember you. I think you went down with the the low points this the season that we stayed up under Roy Keane. So you might have come up with us actually. I think, but because I remember right, the, yeah, the, yeah. the league. We went up with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So, I mean, what? Obviously, you probably went down thinking, right, we've got an opportunity here to try and get back up, and then you didn't, and you're still there. How hard is it to to adapt, you know, coming down from the Premier League if if you don't get it right straight away, if you don't get the right players in with the right mindset? Is that something you saw in the early stages and you're still recovering from? Uh, yeah, to an extent. I mean, in the immediate aftermath of coming down, obviously, we weren't dissimilar to yourselves in that there was a lot of sort of uh, belt tightening and, and cuss cutting that, that was needed. Uh, you know, we had a, sort of a bit of a bloated squad and plenty of players who didn't want to be there. So uh, it took us a couple of seasons to adapt. And uh, Nigel Clough was manager for uh, the best part of five years. And we never really looked like coming straight back up. Um, we never looked like a top six side. And it took 
until Steve McLaren coming in in 2013 for us to actually sort of make a fist of it. And then since then, for the past four years, we have sort of been there or thereabouts without ever managing to uh, to get over the line. Do you think it was a mistake to, to let Clement go when you did, considering that, you know, the, he, he was doing OK um, and obviously he's gone on to, to Swansea and he kept them up last season? He was definitely there and I think in, in hindsight um, it, was, it was pretty galling to see sort of even the Derby fans to see him sort of keep Swansea up when they they looked sort of quite doomed, um, you know, midway through last season. Um, yeah, I, it, it, it was a harsh sacking, really. I think I think that was the one where he went because the owner said that we weren't playing quote the Derby way, um, which no one has really been able to sort of work out what he meant by that. Ever since, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, obviously he went. Uh, we, we we finished in top six anyway that season. Uh, but obviously went out, uh, lost in the semi-final to, to Hull, who ended up coming up and then coming straight back down. Um, and then that was the season before last. And then last season we uh, were finished ninth. We were never really sort of never really in the running last season. Um, we sort of started incredibly badly under Pearson. Um, only won one of our first one of his nine games that he lasted. Only scored three goals in nine. Um, so sort of never really recovered. And I think we were only in the top six last season for about a week um, and ended up sort of well off the pace. So, yeah, this season, um, yeah, a, a huge improvement is expected. So looking ahead to tomorrow, I mean, what are what are the greatest threats to Sunderland, do you think, from, from Derby? I mean, obviously being out of the Premier League, out of the Championship, sorry, such a long time, it sort of, I mean, Phil's probably got a better eye on this considering he covered Cardiff for, for a while. So he probably saw a lot more Championship football, but... You know, it's it's going to be a learning experience this season, seeing players that you wouldn't normally see play every week. You know, who are the threats going to be from Derby uh, tomorrow night? Uh, for, for, I mean, from our point of view, we'll probably go four three three or four two three one. Those, those are the formations that that Rowett seems to have, Gary Rowett seems to have favoured in pre-season. Um, I can't quite decide which, given it, given it's away. But I mean, sort of threats-wise, uh, Chris Martin will, will lead the line again. He was inexplicably sent out on loan mm. last season to, uh, to Fulham by Nigel Pearson. Uh, we missed him a lot, missed his goals. He was our, he was our top scorer for the previous two seasons. Um, so he'll, he'll lead the line. Um, he, uh, you know, he brings a lot of players in, sort of plays with his back to goal quite a lot, um, wins, wins a lot of cheap free kicks. Um, but some would say by, by, you know, going down quite easily, but we tend to think of it as, uh, you know, sort of good, Clever centre forward play. <laughs> um, so he'll be he'll he'll cause the problems um, elsewhere. I mean, obviously I've said that you know we haven't got a huge amount of goals in the team. We haven't really replaced Tom Ince yet. Um, but uh, Tom Huddleston, who came in from Hull in the summer, is obviously you know everyone knows that he's a you know extremely good passer of the ball, very composed in possession, um, clean you know strikes the ball very cleanly, is good from set pieces. Uh, he'll be looking to sort of, um, I guess, to sort of play play the wide men in, chip balls over the top, try and get players to knock it down to Martin, that sort of thing. So I think you're looking at either Huddleston or, or Martin who could influence the game most, hopefully, if if they're uh, you know if they turn up on Friday night. So do you think? I know you mentioned earlier when we were discussing that you said it'd still be a score draw. Have you got a definite prediction on that? Are you sort of wavering on that? <sighs> do you know what? When I when I, when I watched that that Darren Gibson video and, and I saw what he thinks of your team, obviously you know fair, fair enough he was steaming at the time, but 
I thought, you know, look, we can really get into these, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with a, I'll stick with a one all. Um, as I said to, on our podcast last week, um, I think um, I think we will get an early goal, but then we'll sort of we'll, I think we'll revert to type after that, and we'll concede late on, and it will and it will end in a. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wise Men Say, Sun FM preview show with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Thanks to Chris there for giving us the, the lowdown on Derby County. It's going to be a bit of a culture shock, I think. I mean, I saw Chris Martin Fulham and I didn't think he was all that, so it's, give, it's given us a little bit of uh, hope there because I thought, like, oh, well, we got absolutely destroyed, obviously, at Celtic at the weekend. And, but they, these, the players, I think, they had up front are slightly more mobile than, than Chris Martin. But obviously, Sunderland have got slight problems up front in that. Madge, who's probably been the best striker pre-season's injured. Moving on, the players were brought in in that area. We've got James Vaughan, who's started vast majority of games through the middle. And then Lewis Graben, who came in, um, and he played from the right. So, have those players brought in along with the others who who have impressed you the most this preseason? Well, to be to be fair, I mean McGeady and and Graben, we've seen very little of. You know, that was the first I saw of Graben. When you also saw McGeady was pretty terrible at Scunthorpe. That was his his first action. Um, in defence, I think Tyus Brown and surprised me a little bit. I hadn't seen much of him. I didn't really think a great deal of him when he first came in, but. He's probably been Sunderland's best centre half, from yeah. what I've seen. He's quite quite no nonsense. You know, he doesn't play it out from the back much, but he's he's a, he's a huge unit. He's got a big frame. He's quick. He's very good in the air. Quite powerful. So I think if he plays alongside someone, um, someone who's playing well, <laughs> which which at, the, which at the moment he isn't, I think he'll make quite a big impact. But I think in terms of of, of tomorrow, I, I think the the question mark is what he's going to do with the balance of the side because in pre season he's either gone with two up front. Um, played a kind of a, quite a flat four four two, or he's gone with a kind of four one four one. He sat someone right in front of the defence. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that tomorrow, particularly in the early stages, because I think he'll be very eager not to concede an early goal. <laughs> I think the strongest team you'd play Vaughan up front, and then you'd play McGeady, Kazri grabbing off them. But well, don't have to spoil the show. You're getting into the team too early, Phil. You've gone too soon. <laughs> 
getting too oh, excited. Oh, have I jumped the gun? You've ruined I? the rest of the show now. Oh, sorry. We're supposed, well, to, be supposed to be talking about, about other transfers. We're supposed to be talking about transfery well, things. Well, that's what, I, that's what I was getting into. That's what I was, I was trying to... He was leading in. He was, I was, he I was, was, and then you interrupted You're him. leaning in again. Oh, well, I just talking to your love looking at your face. Sorry. One of the worst guests we've ever had the, on the, the programme. The, the point I was trying to make before you before you came steaming in... It's difficult to assess where McGeady and Graben are going to play at the moment. And that's where, really, the, the balance of the side, I don't think anybody's really got much of an idea. I'm not sure if Grayson necessarily does yet. Um, James Vaughan up front is looks a, a, an honest chap, shall we say. He, he certainly covers a lot of ground, puts himself about, badly needs a goal because he's, he's snatching the chances. And I think even people who saw him for the first time is Celtic. I think it was pretty obvious this is a guy who needs to just get one in mm. the back of the net. If it needs to be a Danny Graham off his backside, then so be it. But... <laughs> He just needs He's that goal. Two penalties, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit. It's a bit kind of like I suppose you know you've signed someone from League One who scored a lot of goals last season in League One, but his career record's pretty n- nothing to write home about at no great level. And you're already when you're hearing things like, "Oh, he needs a goal." He's for his confidence, and we're only in pre-season. You start having horrible flashbacks to. You, like Altador and John Stead, and like you know, when that used to kind it's of a get long list of those rolled out. Yeah, I, th- I think the slight difference with Vaughan is that because he was the first person who's come in, he's played all through season. You're kind of looking at him as part of the jigsaw. Whereas, I think I'd be, I think Grayson would be disappointed if, when the transfer window shuts, I think you would probably expect James Vaughan to be his third choice striker, assuming assuming the grabbing in time will move in field, which I think he probably will do. So you're looking at Vaughan, and at the moment you're looking at him as leading the line, first choice striker, and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that. Whereas in reality, we're probably looking at someone who'll probably spend a fair bit of time on the bench, I would have thought, making the odd appearance here and there. And if that's the case, then you might view him slightly differently. You know, you might view what he brings to the team slightly yeah. differently. I think that was a sort of instant thought when he first came in. It was, well, I'd be a bit worried if he was our first-choice striker. I mean, he scored, obviously, a lot of goals last season, but still at a lower level. And he's struggled a little bit in the Championship in recent times, so... He might be coming up on the on a bounce, going off. You know, I'm in form, but at the same time, you don't want him to be a your go-to. I mean, it's a shame Madge's injured, really, because I think he might have started if because he'd, he'd he'd done so well. But obviously, the from a transfer perspective, looking ahead, obviously, looks like Lens has gone out today. Um, the fee was suggested around four and a half million pounds, which is a typically Sunderland transaction. But maybe they're just saying, right, get rid of him, got the wages off the books. And maybe we'll see that McCormack deal if there is one. I think the loan's the right move. I'm, I've got very sort of mixed opinions on on McCormack to be honest, and he's not he's never really been somebody I've had a lot of time for as a footballer, considering the amount of fees he's got, the money he's gone for for the, the size of the fees. He must have teams have spent about thirty million quid on him, and he always seems to be massively in demand. Um, but if he comes in on loan, it's probably a little bit of a it's a chance worth taking if they can get the wages right. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know you, you look at the, the the players that Grayson's brought in, um, McGeady, Grabin, um, obviously he was interested in Max Gradle, McCormack. You can kind of add to that list. These are players who have done well in the past, but have had a have had a bad time of it recently, and ultimately that's why Sunderland can afford them to put it kind of crudely. You know, I think McCormack is it's it's a gamble on Grayson's part, but I think he thinks. There's a lot of teams who might be looking at McCormack, but are saying, "Oh, his wages are high, and after what happened last season, we're not sure if we can trust him." And I think Grayson kind of sees the other side of the coin and sees an opportunity. 
I've worked with him before, I know what makes him tick, I've got the best out of him, I know what kind of player he is, I can get him on a decent deal that a year ago we, you could only have dreamt of. Whether that proves to be correct or not, whether it works out, but I think that's the kind of logic that Grayson's working with, and I think that's the way he was thinking with, with McGeady and uh, Lewis Graben as well. I'm sure uh, it'll pain Bruce to let, let McCormack go, considering he's a striker and we know him. He loves a striker. He doesn't like love him though, does he? Stockpile him. Yeah. I think I think Gary Monk's the new challenger for the yeah. Uh, he is the, for the, the I love strikers the cup. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe that could there could be there. Derby Middlesbrough <laughs> versus Aston Villa. They're going to play for the strikers. Yeah. Cup the strikers. Cup. I mean, have, I, whoever whoever loses gets McCormick. <laughs> whoever <laughs> loses gets um, what do you call him? That the the lad who's gone everywhere and never done anything who signed for Middlesbrough. So Bamford. That's it. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, he's, he's only about 12 year old as well, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Aston Villa's business summer system is now, because I don't know if you remember, sort of towards the end of last season, and they came out with, oh, Aston Villa have only got a pound to spend this summer on transfer uh. fees. And yeah, yeah <laughs> so Steve Bruce has gone out and bought John Terry, Chris Sambra, El Mahabri, and Glenn Whelan. And you think, that's you've made a pound go quite a long way there, <laughs> there Steve. So yeah. it's, Keeping uh, his powder dry. Yeah. I think that's what he, like, he used to like to say, didn't he? Aye. But anyway. We're going to speak to a very good friend of ours who everyone enjoys when he's on, when we come back, and that's uh, Simon Crabber's Crabtree. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. With Simon Crabtree on the line, who's going to be really incredibly positive about things in a minute. <laughs> but firstly, he's going to be even more incredibly positive about um, our new manager, Simon Grayson, obviously... obviously Crabber's first love is Sunderland now, obviously, but originally it was Preston, and uh, I'm sure he still follows them, so he's going to give us a lowdown on Simon Grayson. So what, what can we expect? I mean, I know we've obviously seen bits and bobs in pre-season, but what are we going to see when when the season kicks off proper tomorrow night? Um, don't expect miracles, is what everybody's got to expect, because... Like, I, know, I know, like you said, I do always try and look on the positive side of things, but we, we're putting our head in the sand if we think that one person can come into Sunderland Football Club and make a difference, because we know that it's it's deeper than that, sadly, at the moment. Um, and obviously there are, there are things happening there that the club's not um, entirely firing on all cylinders, as you know. Um, but look, the one thing that Simon is very good at is getting them very most out of people, out of footballers. Um, he's, he's, got, he's done that wherever he's been. He's, he's punched above his weight everywhere. Everywhere he's been, he's got the club promoted. Um, he finds rough diamonds. He makes them into more polished players. Um, and we've got to hope that he can do that again at Sunday. He's, he's very good at galvanising everyone. He's very relaxed, but he also knows how and when to keep people's backsides um, when they need them and we all know that there are quite a few at the moment that, that need it at Sunderland yeah, so, some, some more sizable um, than others yes yes some some need very big boots um, up there very big backsides but um, <laughs> that's where he is in here with Simon he's got, he's got a great history but dot 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 like every manager has needed and hasn't been given he needs time and from all my mates who are all some fans, they, they've all seemed willing to give him that. But what, of course, we need is, um, is the club to, to let a manager come in and actually have a plan, build that plan, 
finalise that plan because it's not we, we can't keep doing what we've been doing we can't get someone in and go well why have you not fixed it right go why have you not fixed it right go it just that's why we're in this mess so that's what we need to do we need to be realistic obviously we hope and he has got the he has got the wherewithal and the potential to get Sunderland promoted this season um, but we need to be patient along the way and, and I think certainly the fans will be or at least I hope they can be. I mean, we've seen him go into the transfer market for... I mean, he's, right at the very start, he was saying he wants people who want to play for Sunderland, want to play for the shirt. And yeah. He's gone into the transfer market to bring in people he, he's he's worked with before. I mean... Well, let the, me tell you about Aidan McGeady then. Because okay. if that's what you... If that may or may not have been what you were It wasn't, to, but, but, you know, there, there's a few, isn't there? And, and obviously he's been linked with Ross McCormack, who we've discussed earlier on the show, but... He's he's clear. That's clearly his strategy. After players, he's attempted to bring in. He's 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 worked with before. Yeah, but you get that, don't you? I yeah. mean, that's that's. I think in most ways of life, you want to gravitate around people who you know, and more importantly, who you trust as well. Aidan McGeady last season, I saw him quite a lot. Um, having having gone to to Preston almost as much as I watched Sunderland last last year as well, um, and he was in the Championship a step above by a mile and I spoke to Aidan quite a lot last season as well and every time I saw him he was as happy as he's been for years he was playing the best football he played for years and the key to him was Simon Grayson and that's the same with a lot of players it's Simon Grayson that makes you happy when you turn up at the training ground every day you know makes you happy when you go out onto the football pitch every day he takes a weight off your shoulders he, he will take that on your behalf as well which is why the players play for him, which is why the players love him. Um, so in McGeady, I think we've got a good player if he can continue the form that he had in the Championship last season. I know that Sunderland are very different than playing at Preston North End because of the weight of expectations that you've got at, at both clubs are, are quite different as well. But if he can continue that, great. If McCormack does eventually come to Sunderland and he can have um, a less troubled more enjoyable season than he's had previously, then, you know, Simon's the man to do that as well. But, again, I do try and stay positive, but I just know that this season is going to be tough. And But that's the Championship. The Championship's horrible. We can't just expect someone to go, <laughs> you know, and breathe this league because there's so many other big clubs now in the Championship that have spent a lot of money that have had a season. Villa's a good example. A season that maybe they've just got on with things and they've built things and they've tried to get rid of things that have gone wrong and then they've just spent a little bit of money here, there and I think they think that John Terry's the final piece of, of their jigsaw and then you've got Middlesbrough who spent a lot of money and I could go on and on but I, it would depress us all but um, Simon's very good at working on a reasonably or a relatively low budget getting the best out of his players and bringing everybody together and that includes the fans and that's what we, I think we need right now well, I guess there's a, some eek of positivity in there. Can you give us some more? Come on, that's that's why we've got you on because you're going to you you tell us we're going to stay up every year, and then we've got relegated, so that's on you. So yeah, look. Well, the thing about Sunderland is we know that the fans will lift you that extra million mile, and then that's what it's unfair. I know to to rely on Sunderland fans again to sort of carry them along, but that can be. A difference, a big difference next season because when Sunderland get behind the players, when they get behind the manager, 
irrespective of other things that have happened that I know people aren't happy about. And, and you can't, I can't just come on and say, oh, yeah, you know, here we go. It's meds and gumdrops and lollipop legs. Um, <laughs> you could do, you just did. <laughs> I, I did, I did. I was, I was paraphrasing Homer, obviously. But, um, but we, we've, we've got to try and at least start the season like that, haven't we? Because well, there's no point in going to watch them otherwise, is there? So if we're going in there thinking, oh, it's going to be rubbish, we're going to struggle, we're going to be burnt them half the table, then there's no point in us going to watch them. That's that's why we watch. I know we always, I'd like to think we always start the season with some sort of positivity. It hasn't always ended the season in the same way. But look, top six is a minimum for us this season. And I think, I'm pretty sure we'll get top six. I am sure that we'll get top six. Whether we can get into that top two depends on how good we are to start off with and whether we can just get a couple more pieces of the jigsaw and whether perhaps he can just move a couple of other players on and away from the club for reasons that obviously you're all aware of. Mm. I think it, you know, I think top six, I think a lot of Sunderland fans, what they've seen up to now would be absolutely over the moon if we got into the top six, to be honest. I think yeah, but we've seen we've seen brilliant pre seasons and then done nothing. It, it, I'm not. I'm not taking too much out of pre-season. I think he used a lot of that to try and work out very quickly who was onside and who wasn't onside, who's fit, who needed more fitness. Um, historically, as well, Simon's teams start slowly. They'll have a blip and then they'll finish strongly, or they'll get to where they want to be, and then. Maybe they'll eke away if they've got as far as they need to, or he'll help galvanise them and push them further if they need to as well. But um, we we never, can't, I can't remember winning on an opening day. Oh great! <laughs> Can we, will we win a game in August? I mean, we haven't done that in. Can't well, remember how long. I know. So look, let's write off August. Let's start <laughs> thinking about January. <laughs> now, look, I, I know you're all sitting there thinking here he's again talking the same old rubbish, but uh, top six. We will be in the top six come May, and then best case scenario is we'll go straight up. There you go. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Cheese to Simon there for bringing uh, an element of positivity, which is what we kind of needed after the depression of the, the previous elements of the conversation that we've had. But you know, I'm sure that if, we'd ha- if we hadn't had that Celtic game at, at the weekend gone, we probably all would have been a little bit more confident. I think people are right that you say about, you know, you can't take read too much into pre-season and all that kind of thing, but I think when you've been beaten 5-0 at home... Um... It's not just not just <clears throat> the scoreline, is it? It's the manner of defeat. Mm. It's, it's the fact that there's players in there that he's brought in and, you know, kind of... We were just thinking about, like, youngsters coming in. So, for example, Kazri's one of those players who hopefully will start tomorrow... You know, might be gone by the end of the window, and Honeyman come in for him, and you think about someone like him, and you think one or two of the others are, are they going to be ready? Because they're the kind of players we're, we're going to be potentially having to look at. Yeah, I think that it's you know you can say our oh, results in pre-season don't matter, which is maybe fair enough. What people say is it's all about fitness, and you could then say, well, the biggest concern about Sunderland's pre-season yeah. is that some very important players currently aren't fit, and, and one I, of them went off saying he was tired, and one of them <laughs> said he went the last off. pre-season game. It's interesting yeah. actually about that because obviously James Hunter did the that in, sort of little infographic saying that Coney had played the most minutes. 
and um, of pre-season, and second most was Cattermore, and he actually thought Cattermore was well off the pace. Oh, he was awful. He was. He looked like he was chasing shadows. Yeah, whereas in Dong, who came back a little bit later, he was actually third. I think. Really, really sluggish to begin with. Has started to pep up a little bit, and he's yeah. got that. Seems to have that spring in his legs again. I think. Um, I think it's it's an interesting thing tomorrow. You know, in terms of you talk about the kids, I, I don't think there'll be any of the the kids in the team. No, you know? no, not at all. And I think not I think all. looking ahead further the season, there's been a lot of talk about it, and I'm sure some of them will get in and around the squad. But actually, some of the squad's pretty big. If you work, if you mm. work, if you work on the basis that the players will probably go Lens, Kazrikone, there'll be three players coming in, and you right. look at and you think, well, what 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 positions are, are, are these young players going to come in? And you think fullbacks is a lot of established We've got fullbacks. A lot of fullbacks. You might say they're not the best fullbacks, but you we could have do an upgrade, but they're there. Centre yeah. centre centr- midfield, you know, you've got Gibson, Catamull, Rodwell, and Dong. Then you know, so yeah. I um, suppose that you've got McNair to come back. What more? McNair, what more? I mean, I think what more? If what more can be. You know, come back and be as quick. As, yeah, he's he's actually a real sleeper I, threat in that squad. I, I, th- I think what me- what more will be really critical to the balance of grace inside as well. Because what we were talking about before, you look at your Kazri, Kazri would probably go, but you grab and see McGeady's, and you think, how can you get these all on the same team and not be a bit of a mess defensively? What more, someone who you can put mm. on one of the wings, and he'll really balance it out because he's someone who you know will do the track and back. You know he'll be disciplined. So I mean I think Watmore will be a really really important player he's in goals terms of as well, isn't he? He's l- got goals in him. Yeah, and I think he'll let Grayson play two up top, which he'll want to do if he can get the strikers in. So I think I think Watmore is. Well, to be fair, Watmore really is an option through the middle. I mean, I would play him up front. Personally. I mean, he's, he's, he's a, front two, he's a four, I think yeah, running off two. running off people into space and getting in behind and stretching teams is is something we're going to need. And you know what? Like we've obviously talked about Vaughan before, but. Vaughan might not be such a bad foil for someone like Watmore, someone who's a bit more physical who might want to win the ball in, in the air that's and get what, flick-ons. That's what we were talking about with Vaughan. The, the minute you're judging him as the, is the, almost the, 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 the key centre-forward, that you almost want him to be the complete centre-forward because he's the only one we've got. Whereas actually, if you get a couple of different strikers in, if you get a good goal scorer in, if you get a quick striker in, if you can do that, then suddenly you look at Vaughan and say, yeah, well, he can come in, he can do a job, he can bring the best out of others. Um, I don't think he was brought in to be a... 25 goal a season no. strike. If he did that, then happy days. But I, I don't think that was ever really the uh, the intention behind that one. I suppose if younger players are going to get a, a game, it's going to be when there's injuries, which they invariably will. Because a number of those players we've talked about there, for example, Rodwell, he's never fit, is he? What more McNair? It's going to take a while to get them back in, into fitness. I think it's probably going to be wide areas, though, really, where you've got McGeady. I, I mean, grabbing. I think he looked quite good against Celtic, but he looked to me like someone you'd quite like through the middle because he can hold the ball. I I think he's a really good option as he sort of second strike number ten, depending on how you sort of draw the tactics board. You know, I think he's someone who can play in that gap. He's got an eye for goal. He will hold it as well. He's he's, he can he can play a pass. He's quite strong. I think um, I think Graben looks like could be could be a really good player this season. But I could definitely see him playing. Off that main strike. So what are so we thinking tomorrow night? Maybe if you'd have you'd have Vaughan with grabbing him behind. Ideally, whether he'll do it or not, well, there'll be Vaughan, Ka- Kasri, won't it? Probably. Well, yeah, possibly both. Think... He might. He could put Kasri one one side. Well, he could put. I guess he could put um, McGeady, Kasri, and grabbing behind he Vaughan, could. and I... then they can interchange. I, I think that would be your strongest team. I I wonder if first game of the season. I think Grayson. I don't want to say he's a defensive manager, but I wonder if first game of the season he would play those three together. I wouldn't mm. be surprised if. One of Kazri, McGeady, and Graben didn't play, and he put another midfielder in. So say Darren Gibson, 
Perhaps. Well, my my person, yeah, if, he, if, he, if he's yeah, if, if he's, he's hung, I mean, I'm I'm still hungover from last weekend. So I'm, still, I'm hungover be. from watching the video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but if if he was to do that, my personal preference, knowing very little about these players, would be based on the very little that I've seen of them all in one team. I'd rather see Graben through the middle than Vaughan, and then Vaughan be the one who dropped out out of those four yeah, players. Yeah, that, that's that would be my personal well. preference. But uh, I don't think yeah. he'll do that. I just I just have a hunch that you wouldn't risk playing Kazri and Magidi as you two off, on his mm. on the two flanks because I think you feel that leaves Sunderland's fullbacks yeah. pretty exposed, and they have, and they have looked ropey mm. in pre-season. Galloway particularly is yeah, he doesn't look great. He's, 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 he looks like a good athlete. He looks all right on the ball, but his position at the moment. Jones. I, it's difficult because you don't know how much that about is about the centre half next to him because mm, okay. he's played against some. Do you play, think um, O'Shea will come in and will with Browning maybe, and then you'll, he will have Galloway maybe next to O'Shea, well, I which think won't be such a bad I, thing. I, that's that's certainly what I would do. But Grayson, oh, you know, I've spoken to him a couple of times this week, and he's really played down Corney's performance last weekend. Uh, to me, I think I get the impression that you might pick Corney alongside Browning, um, which I think is a big gamble because then you've got so you've got Billy Jones on the right. And you've got Brown and Corny Galloway, and you're kind of looking at it going, who's your leader? And, and, well, and, and steel behind well. him, and you're looking, well, who's, who's your leader there when it comes to set piece? Who's going to be the person who's really marshalling that? For me, you know, it seems mad that we've got back to another season where you're going, you've got to play O'Shea because otherwise, you know, <laughs> the rest the of the going to cave in. But, but, I, but think, think I think it, we are there. I think we are still there. Well, this, uh, talking about their team, if Chris Martin's their central striker, he's not going to run in behind you particularly, no. right? And O'Shea's shown that he can battle. He's he's a, he's an older player now, but he can he can challenge someone in the air. As you mentioned about Brown, and he's a big lad. I'd expect him to be able to put himself about. So I don't know if Derby have got pace. Well, they haven't. You know, you, you look at it's Derby are a stranger on the moment. That's why I was kind of alluding to before. Um, that I think it's a good time to play them because they obviously hope to get Tom Lawrence and Jon Toral in to play. They're not here. They've got rid of Tommins, and so we know Gary Rowett, he's a counter-attacking manager, he likes to play wingers and he likes to break at speed. But their front three is probably going to be Johnny Russell, Chris Martin and An- Andrews Vyman. And you kind of think, Vyman's well, actually, fairly quick, or he used to be, he used, used to be, to be I don't know what quick, he's like but now. But he's had a few injury problems as well. So you're kind of looking at it and thinking, actually, you probably could get away with playing someone like O'Shea. I think it might be, I think it might be a, a, a good time to play Derby, because their team looks nowhere near. It looks, it's it's one, of those, one of those classic Sutherland sides, it looks really muddled. Where you're thinking, are they trying to play counter attack or are they trying to keep the ball? And you don't quite but know they where they're going. The, the new sort of England manager in waiting in oh. Gary Rowett, haven't they? Well, until <laughs> everyone's bored of him because yeah, Derby is be in eleventh position. Somebody else will get unfairly sacked. Will be the, the new be person. That everybody will be Grayson. Yeah, he'll be the next new yeah. manager. Well, let's be positive. Early goal tomorrow. Settle everyone down. Get the fans on. You know, behind us, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll be thinking what were we worried about. And we can go away thinking positively. But on another note, I need to do a plug for our <laughs> live show that's taking place in London at the Southwark Brewery on the 2nd of September. It's International Week. So there should be no excuses if you're part of the London branch, unless you're going on holiday. That would be a reasonable excuse, but you shouldn't be. You should have planned ahead. Um, so, yeah, come along. Tickets are available from wisemensay.co.uk um, for £10. Um, and all the details are on there. We've got David Priest, who's a cracking guest um, and last time we did the show uh, back in last summer you did the show with us didn't you Craig um, it was class and it was it really sold, good yeah. yeah it sold out really quickly hasn't sold out as quickly this time maybe because people are slightly well a bit feeling a bit downbeat maybe <laughs> I don't know or maybe we are rubbish maybe it's a combination of the two things but either way head over to wisemensay.co.uk get your tickets and uh, we'd love to see you there on the night um, 
we'll be back with the usual Wise Men Say show on uh, Sunday um, this week because I'm at a wedding on Monday and Stephen's still away. And then we'll be back with a preview show next Wednesday night because we've got Bury on the Thursday, so it's a bit of a mishmash. Already feeling the, the difficulties of the championship. Until those away games are rolling in thick, yeah. no one can watch them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, actually, Sunderland have announced their new... Uh, uh, subscription service that you the, the AFL um, have, have put in place that means the uh, Sunderland Football Club have got to charge people to listen to the games now so what um, so yes if you go over to the website I'm sure there'll be information on there how you can do that if you want to do if you do want to listen to the games especially to the to the exiles but anyway we'll be back on Wednesday next week for the preview show but keep listening we'll be we'll be in your ears again on Sunday afternoon cheers for listening bye bye Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker, all things Sunderland. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.